Father, thank you this morning for your word. Your word is life, and we want to receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's put up our passage of Scripture. Who has believed our report? Apparently not everybody. So there is a report to believe. There is a report to believe. And he goes on to, you know, disclose that and identify that report that he's encouraging us to believe in. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The power aspect of God in our lives. The arm of the Lord is is power. All right. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, and he has no form or commonness. He's talking about Jesus. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's probably not your typical movie star. I know. But because he's more like this. He's despised and rejected by men. Men of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. And we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. John. No one takes it from me. Talking about his life. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. So reads the word of the Lord this morning. Today I want to, you know, uh, travel down the road of the treasures from the cross and how that Jesus Christ is the bridge to life. The greatest story of love, courage, and kindness, purpose, and meaning A work that's accessible to all, available to all, free of charge. On a hill far away, through the miracles and the conflicts, set high and hanging on a cross, dying and living again, offering. Everything he has. There's a step to take and there's a road to walk. Don't be afraid to see where the road leads. The greatest story. Long before creation. For the world existed God had already made up his mind to go to the cross. That foreknowledge of God. Revelation 13 and 8 says that he's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Now I want you to know this is going back a long time. 
It is literally before time. It was Job. God was speaking to. He said to Job, Job, where were you when all this took place? He said, before the world was hung, before the foundations of was set in place, where were you? And see, to God, that's just a kindergarten question. Because it's questions of where, when, who, and what. But to us, it goes almost unfathomable. The cross reveals things to us, and it reveals our helplessness. That we become so paralyzed by sin, by fear. We become overcome by darkness that we can't help ourselves. This work of Jesus Christ is, is such an amazing work that when we reach that stage that we just talked about, we can't open the door. God opens the door and lets the light in. The story of Jesus throughout this particular time, both before and after the resurrections, it tells us that God can walk through the locked doors, stand inside our fear and the paralysis that's holding us immobile and can breathe out peace to us. See, God in sending his son provided more than just an escape from judgment. Judgment for your sin, but it provided an abundant life and a beginning. It starts at the foot of the cross in Jesus Christ. I'm so glad that he can still walk through locked doors of hearts. Yes. Speak, peace be with you, even though fear has landed you where you are. They were locked inside because of fear. Oh, hallelujah. The walls of fear. This love that is revealed in Jesus' suffering, death, and life is a love that is so others-centered that it can forgive and embrace the executioners. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. We already mentioned it can pass through the locked doors. These are disciples, fearful about their future. About their tomorrow. All the words that they had heard and all the missions that they were had been involved in, and you know, the kingdom that he tried to explain to them somehow finding itself not before their eyes. 
when he penetrates the walls of fear. This Jesus can descend into the private anguish of your life and there just speak life and peace. It's a real thing. And I know it to be real, not just because of a day in my life that, that you know, that I can go back to on that first day. But through the days in my life and have found him walking into my living room of my heart. Into the arenas that, that you know, left me immobile, unsure. And he walks in, begins to speak. This same Jesus, his love is so great that even those that had forsook him in his most darkest and needful hour, they'd run away from him and they hid. He responds to him, peace be with you. What a savior. And he not only said, peace be with you, but then he goes even a step further and he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. That precious gift God himself. We read in our passage of scripture, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. All of us, at one time or another, we've been wounded and we've are bruised. But yet, despite our failures, our defects in character, the Savior, hallelujah, seeks to heal the bruised, those that have been trampled down and those that are lost. You did not chose me. I chose you. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. God acted. God acted. Those that have been crushed by the blows of the fallen world. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is love that he loved us and sent his own son to be the perpetuation for our sins that which disconnected us from God. What's so amazing about this love is that among so many things that it's highlighted in the backdrop of a, a debt we could not pay. There wasn't any alternatives. Jesus and the cross is telling us that we have a lifetime warranty. 
Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A lifetime warranty, church. In this portrait of Jesus in Isaiah 53 and the cross, this Passover lamb and the blood covenant, you see, Jesus not only carried the load of sin and the burden of it, but he carried also the weight of compassion and mercy on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The the dynamics and the dimension. What is compassion? It's sympathetic pity. It's empathy. It's concern for the suffering or the misfortunes of others. Hallelujah. In his mercy, his compassion or forgiveness, and it's shown towards someone whom it is within his power to punish and harm. Think about it. It was within his power to punish and harm. But he had compassion. Oh, yes. This wonderful treasure and news from the cross that secures our identity. It establishes dignity for you. And it begins to repair the beauty that had been lost. The cross of Jesus Christ reveals we can live and live happily and healthy beyond any mess we have made. All of us have scrambled eggs in our life. Messes. Yesterday's messes. But God does not let that determine your destiny. God can do what he did for Joseph. He took him out of the pit. He took him out of a pit. And he set him forth into the destiny that he had for his life. Though not apparent to Joseph. But just as the cross looked like everything was going wrong, it was all going according to plan. Life will sometimes look like it's going wrong, 
but it is going according to the plan. And that's such good news. In life, you can opt for man's help or God's help. In life, you can opt for man's road or God's road. The cross turns our past into purpose. It does. Jesus turns your mess, according to that demon-possessed man in Luke chapter 8, into a message. You know, men and man can make a mighty man. But he's useless as God. He's useless as God. Yes, the cross says that you can live beyond yesterday, church. Yesterday's mistakes. As long as you will know God's love and God's strengths are always with you, even when you betray him. I'm not suggesting betrayal. But what shall separate us from the love of God? And he lists the dynamics of it. See, the cross, Jesus Christ not only pulls us out of the pit, he places our feet on a solid rock. That life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Christ. So you may be having some low moments, but don't let those low moments determine the next moment. Don't let them sour you to expectation and anticipation. According to Isaiah 61, he came to console those who born, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You were created to be more than a mess. That's not God's plan. You were bought with a price, a divine price, so that all of the fractures in our life could be healed. Yes, there are troubles, but they are momentary. You need to learn not to stay in the rut of thinking. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Because you serve a miracle-working God. The good news is, is you don't have to be perfect. You just need to forget the past and move 
forward. The treasures of the cross. Jesus, the bridge to life. Life's greatest hope. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He himself is hope. He is the infinite sea of hope. God is the essential hope. God is natural hope. He's immortal hope. And he's abundant in hope. Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 5 says there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Acts 4 and 12, for there is salvation in, there is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The cross is a door. The cross is the door into the throne room of the Father's house. Jesus is your bridge. You know that bridges are designed for purposes. There's something in mind when a bridge is made. We know it's used to cross over from one point to another. And according to the story from the rich man and Lazarus, there's a great gulf between two worlds. As the rich man finding himself in a very hot place and seeing Lazarus in a very comfortable place wishing somehow there could be some kind of reprieve begins the discourse and says would it be possible the master says no because there's a great gulf there's no bridge he can't come to you and you can't go to him let me make a couple of statements here and and I say them with gentleness but yet factual because you fare well in life doesn't mean you will fare well in death. And because you're poor in life does not mean that you will be poor in death. There's only one. That can and has made death without sting. There's one that makes us rich, no matter what earthly things we may have.
But you know, God is concerned about more than your afterlife. He wants to give you a reason to live. He gives you a way to live. He gives you power to live. And he gives you significance for living. And so we begin to talk about the treasures that are in Christ. We begin to see that Jesus is the bridge to life. But he is not only the bridge to life, he is the bridge itself. He is the bridge, but he's also the goal of its journey. He's not only the way to eternal life, he himself is our new life. He is not only the master that teaches us truth, he is the truth itself. He himself said in John 14 and 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This humongous gap needed a humongous bridge. Understanding that perfection and imperfections are incompatible since all have sinned. That separation between God and man just can't be traversed by by us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're helpless. In ourselves, we're helpless. We can't reverse it. We have a condition. It's a disease. Leads to death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many know that's still the truth? Amen? Yes. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We not only need him for, you know, salvation, we need him every day in our lives. And when we understand the cross, you know, and the covering that it gets for us, we can respond to God when God starts calling us. Without the cross, we hide. Without the blood, we'll try alternatives. As you know, it was God that called out to Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve calling out to God. The missing piece in their life apparently was to understand the nature and the love of God and the care of God. It begins to unfold to them it when he sheds an animal and covers them with the skin of it The cross is God calling out to us. Where are you? You are welcome. The cross is God covering. 
our sins, covering our shortcomings. See, only God can bridge the gap. Only God can bridge the gap. And he has to do it without breaking his own perfect law. When he did that through Jesus, Jesus Christ. The great story of the virgin birth. You see, sin is passed through the seed. And so therefore, the seed could not be man. The woman receives the seed, but she does not pass the seed. And so, it says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and became the seed. Why Jesus is so wonderful in so many aspects because the only answer to the continual progressiveness of sin was to break it through a seed. It does not come through genes, it comes through the seed. So he had to find someone free of Adam's sin, willing to give his life. To satisfy the law, the perfectness of God, to liberate us from our fallen state. And that's why Romans 8 says, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. The only way for redemption to be and to bypass the seed of Adam was to halt. And to halt the strain of sin, there must be a man. To be part of Adam's race, willing to give his life, even though he was not guilty of any charge. And above all, he had to have power to to take back his life after death. So Jesus was born the Son of God or the seed of God. Mary represented Adam's race. So therefore, he was born all God and all man. God's perfect love. And you know why death couldn't hold him? Because death can't hold anything without legality. And the only strength of death is sin. And there was no sin in Jesus. Though he became sin, there was no sin in him. And so in three days... Because that's what the book of Hebrews says. It was not possible for death to hold him. My. He had no sin 
It was not possible. And the good news this morning is that, yes, there was sin that entered the world through Adam, but there was righteousness that's now available through Jesus Christ. All men, by that sacrifice, have been set free from the law of sin, the nature of sin, to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But yet there is a responsibility that we have in the restoration process to acknowledge our need and receive his acquittal. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Well, pastor, you know, that's old news. No, that's good news. That's good news. The restoration, receiving that acquittal. And, and, and how do we receive that acquittal? What's the, what's the dynamics of that acquittal? Now, I want us to accept his forgiveness. Is it true we have a hard time accepting forgiveness? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Why is this so important? Sometimes when we're caught up in living life and yet missing the fact that what it is that helps us live life. Jesus said there should be more rejoicing about your salvation. Right? That's what he said. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of Life. The Lamb's Book of Life. They come back from the Great Mission trip. They begin to tell the stories of all that God was doing was wonderful. Jesus goes, whoa, 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 wait, 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 boys. Hang on there. Come back. What's the first thing that should be out of your mouth? I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Well, I'm joint heirs with Jesus as I travel this side. Because I'm part of the family, the family of God. Really, church? When we come back to the cross, we come back to the resurrection, we're coming back to our birthday. We're celebrating our birthday. We're celebrating our new birth. That has 
present benefits and future benefits tied to it. We've talked about, try to hurry up here, began this series about keys for the kingdom and you know what keys are used for and but discovering those keys and then learning how to use those keys. In this blood of Jesus Christ that pardons us, one of the intent of it is to take away your guilt. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It's not not being aware of, because the law makes us aware of it. But the blood gives us a remedy for it. So you don't got to carry it around. You don't have to be restricted and and limited in, in, in allowing guilt to dominate your life and disrupting relationships. Many broken homes never get back together because guilt lays heavily upon the transgressor for their transgressions. That guilt makes you still be imprisoned by shame. By shame. Fills your mind. Creates anxieties and fears. Makes you defensive, irritable, and judgmental. It drives you to punish yourself. Literally can make you physically physically sick. When you're guilt-ridden, you're not happy. It's a poison. It's designed by Satan, you know, to just ransack your emotional house. The blood never will lose its its power. Yes. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have a past. We have scrambled eggs. But the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ and the treasures of the riches of, of the cross closes the door. Gives us a brand new beginning. So we don't have to be defenseless against those destructive emotions. 
the cross is, as my musicians come, is a way to provide forgiveness. <coughs> and let me state this for you this morning. I think if we get it right, the only sin you can defeat in your daily life and replace with righteousness is a sin that's forgiven by Jesus Christ. Yeah. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin is not your master. Yes, there's natural ways to overcome bad habits that aren't based on Christ at all. Changes that occur in life without forgiveness from Christ is not God's righteousness. This is not too hard. That's self-righteousness. But every sin that's confessed. David, the great man after God's own heart, was, was so akin to the fact of this awareness that he said, Lord, you know what I mean? I, I, I want to bring to you those hidden ones, those ones I don't know about, you know what I mean, or nobody else knows about. Even presumptuous sins. He says, God, you know what I mean? I just want you to just... You know, cover all the bases in my life because I'm aware that there's some there that I might not even be aware of. You don't always have to call them by name, okay? No. You just have to go to the foot of the cross. And understand the blood of Jesus. And that from the Old Testament, that day of atonement, those two goats, the one goat for a sacrifice and the other goat, the priest would lay his hands upon the goat and confess the people's sins and was sent away into the wilderness. And Psalms 103 says, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. complete removal he not only lifts up the sin but he sends it away treasures of the cross God himself decided to pay an unpayable debt who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness and by whose stripes you were healed. First Peter 3 and 18 For Christ also offered once for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. On that last moment in time with his disciples, 
He said, this is the blood of my new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. The penalty has been repealed. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be like wool. There's a constant covering. According to the beloved John in 1 John 1 and 7, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all, from all of our sins. Yes. How many have used the blood more than once in your life? How many have used confession more than once in your life? Now, I know we get down on some people that have, quote, confession. And I'm not going there for that, but I want you to know that confession is in the Bible. You just, you got to go to the right priest. Because there's only one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one name under heaven whereby we can be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. Because it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. Man. It was a restoration of fellowship. Have you stand with me this morning? A restoration of, of fellowship. The barriers are gone. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I don't know how many years I spent in it. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it, it wouldn't have been a, a you know, a, a, a daily thing like that. But, you know, I felt better about coming to God when on a good day than I did on a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My emotions, you know what I mean, are having a lot of dictation to me. But you can come to God on any day. Good day or a bad day. Confession. Confession. Isaiah 44 and 2 says, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me and I'll redeem you. God says, I'll never allow those sins to become, to come between you and him again. Don't stand off, he says, because of sin. Don't hide in the shadows. Don't become a non-responder to the voice of God because, you know what I mean, you may be aware of your sin. Because we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. We have a high priest who is sympathetic for our weaknesses. He's been there. 
and he conquered it for you. And all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us boldly come to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace in the time of need. I'm not talking about a status quo. See, when grace is pierced, it bleeds pardon. When grace is crucified, it doesn't condemn. Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment. Father, we we want to come to the throne of grace this morning and not suggesting there's some apparent sin or, or anything like that, Lord, but we know that there's always shortages and and there's room. When we talk about and sing about freedom and our wonderful life in you and, and all of that is true. We want to thank you this morning for the blood. For the treasure that's in Jesus Christ. For the bridge. Across the chasms in our life and the gulf that has separated us is now is no longer there. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us and wash us. Heal us. Make us brand new. Thank you for acquittal, abundant pardon, and a cleansing that leaves behind no remnants of sin stain in our, our lives. We ask it this morning in Jesus, Jesus' name. If you're glad for Jesus this morning, would you give him a praise? Hallelujah. Amen. There's such a torment, so much a torment in our minds and in our, our soul when that guilt and that sense of, you know, failure is permitted to hang around. And the enemy is a great one to bring up your past. But someone has said it, it's cute, but it's really true. When he, when he brings up your past, why don't you remind him of his future? Really, I feel this morning, church, you know what I mean? That God wants to bring some liberty in people's lives. The past is the past. The sin has been covered. The mistakes are under the blood. God's not bringing them up. Why should you bring them up? You're not the judge. 
I mean, he uses every weapon in his artillery to, to try to get you feel guilty and condemned and, you know what I mean, and, and unworthy and, you know, and to stifle your steps. Father, this morning, you said if we confess our sins, we're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And Lord, we confess and we pray for cleansing today. The complete removal. God, there's no parasites going to hang around and stick around and begin to draw the life of God out of us because of memories and emotional stigmas. We cast off and refuse in Jesus' name those parasites who live off us and give us nothing in return. Oh God, break the chains that the cross has broken in. Let it become a reality in our lives, Lord. It's a reality in heaven. Let it become a reality, oh God, in our minds, in our heart, our soul, our spirit. Let it become a reality in our lives. It's settled in heaven. It's written. Oh, hallelujah. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. You will not find me bringing up your past as little or as much I may or may not know but I will bring up your future I will declare to you what your future is amen because the past becomes finished and the future becomes opened and we walk to the future Hallelujah. We walk to the future. You know what? This morning, he said there's only one sin that's unforgivable, and that's the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost. You know, so, man, you've got a wide margin. I'm not saying just go out and sin because grace doesn't do that. But, you know, you're not outside. You're inside. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with God. He's going to go with you. Bless you. Amen. And spread the good news that under the blood. Hallelujah. Amen. The future is.